The last couple of weeks, we've been on a, um, on a subject in uh, Matthew 25. How many of you love the Word of God? The Word of God's life to you. It's not something that comes secondary to you. You put the Word of God first. How many of you have made a decision to put God's Word first? Not your own opinions, your own thoughts, your own ideas, but knowing that God's Word brings truth. It brings life to you. And in Matthew 25, God gives us a parable. He speaks to us on what the kingdom of God is like. And he says at the end of the day, he says, what I've, been given, what I've given to you, I want you to use it for me. And I want to come back and see a return. I want to come back and see that you have given all, given all that I've given to you. You've given it all for me. And you have sown your life into living for me. And in this parable, there's three different people, and uh, two of them did the right thing. They were wise. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've used everything I've given, for, uh, everything I've given to you. You used it for my kingdom. But there was one that didn't because he had arguments in his mind. And he said, you're a wicked and lazy servant. Take what I gave you and give it to the one that invested, the one that gave their all to my kingdom. And... It is true at the end of our day, it's not going to be um, when we go to heaven, it's not going to matter how many things you have done, you did, or, or how many works you've done, because you can do a lot of works outside of God's voice. It has to do with, were you a good and faithful servant? Good and faithful servant servant. See, those that are good and faithful servants, they have certain declarations in their heart. And those that don't trust, you know, those that don't serve, live for themselves, they have certain declarations in their heart. How many of you want the declarations of a good and faithful servant in your heart? Now, there are three main declarations. We've been talking about this. The first one is, I increase when I decrease. In other words, I allow God to bless me. I, I give him room to bless me when I decrease because it's not all about me. I humble myself to the purpose and the plan of God and to the kingdom of God, and I increase when I decrease. The second thing is this. I am blessed when I believe the best. I am blessed when I believe the best. How many of you want to be, believe the best about what God thinks about you? You want to believe the best in other people? The people that are miserable in this world are not believing the best in other people, right? So it is important that we believe that God has his best interest for our lives and that we believe the best in others. And the third thing is I gain when I give. I gain when I give. The Bible says that when you give, he causes your spirit to be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's really what the blessing really is. What is the blessing? The blessing is when your life is full of the goodness of God. It's when your life is overflowing with the goodness of God. How many of you want your life to be overflowing with the goodness of God? Now, last week we talked about what it meant to uh, increase when we decrease. This week we're gonna talk about, we're gonna hone in on this declaration, which is that I am blessed when I believe the best. I am blessed when I believe the best. When I think of this, you have to, you have to think of, of faith. See, the, the, the person that was the wicked and lazy servant, he didn't believe the best in his master. He didn't believe that the, the master had the best, his best interest in mind for him. He didn't trust. The wicked and lazy servant didn't trust, and as a matter of fact, he kind of let fear run his life. And it's very true that either we're living in a place of faith or we're living in a place of fear. See, we allow fear to come into our lives when we begin to question the word of God. Isn't that what happened to Adam and Eve? They were in the garden. They had everything. Then they begin to question God's word, right? We allow fear to come into our lives when we begin to question his word and don't stand on his word. And, and fear brings all kinds of things with it. It brings anxiety. It brings confusion. 
right? It brings oppression. It brings depression. Fear brings all these kind of things in our life. But faith brings freedom. It brings joy. It brings clarity. It brings excitement. How many of you would much rather have faith than fear? Both of you, awesome. How many, how many of you would rather live in faith than in fear? Because the fruit of it produces, it produces more fruit in your life. I want to look at this for a second. If we can look at um, something really quick, I, I believe when we think of when we think of um, faith, our faithfulness. Look at your neighbor and say, "You need to be full of faith." When I when I think of faithfulness, don't you think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, full of faith? She was somebody that was full of faith. I mean. Many people would say, man, she, she, um, she played a huge role uh, in the Bible. Yeah, she played a huge role, and it couldn't have been easy. This couldn't have been easy. I mean, think about Mary's faith. Think about what she, like, took on. You know, Gabriel, the angel, came to Mary and said, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the Savior of the world. And uh, he believed it. She believed it. She said, okay, so be it. How many of you know sometimes it's not that easy to just believe God's word? She did say, how's this going to happen? Like, uh, am I going to get married to Joseph and then have a baby? And he's like, nope, it's not going to be uh, logical. You're going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That, that, is, uh, that, is, that is not logical. That is not something that you hear and you say, well, this is going to work out well or easy. You're going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You're not going to get pregnant by Joseph. You're going to be, get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And she says, let it be. It's going to happen. You see uh, uh, a flip side of that with Zechariah when he's promised John the Baptist. He said, you're going to have John the Baptist. And even though your wife isn't able to bear children, she's going to bear children. He was like, there's no way that's going to happen. There's no way. And, and Gabriel said, okay, since you are talking like that and not believing my word, I'm going to put you in time out for about nine months. You're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to speak because you're not going to get in the way of what God is doing, right? See, there was two different kind of responses. There was one response that said, if you said it, I believe it. Even if it's not logical, even if it doesn't make sense, if you said it, I believe it. You have one that said, I don't really get that. I don't really get that. How many of you have been in both areas? You've been in the place where you say, I, I believe it, your word says it. When you say, I believe it, your word says it, how many of you know that the test is coming? I, I love what, what Mary did. Mary began to sing a song to God. She began to declare the promises of God. You remember the song, the, the, the Magnificent, right? The song she sang to God because she started to declare the word that was over her life. Let me ask you. Are you declaring the word that's over your life? Are you believing the word that's over your life, what God says about you and speaks about you? Are you declaring it? This is what Mary had to do to be faithful. Can you imagine Mary going to Joseph, trying to explain that she's pregnant from the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine Mary going like, hey, I'm pregnant, and he's like, it wasn't from me, and she was like, yeah, it was from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, the Bible says Joseph wasn't buying it. The Bible says Joseph was finding a way to get out of this engagement because he was like, this isn't, this isn't real. And so he's trying to find a way to get her away and so she won't be in shame. And then God begins to speak to Joseph and begins to tell Joseph, says, listen, you're going to have a son. Mary is pregnant with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be the Savior of the world, Emmanuel. God is with us. And so we think that, hey, if you're going to be pregnant with Jesus, Mary, life should be easy, right? I mean, he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. All of the Bible is really centered on this one epic event, and it's Jesus being born and died and raising again for, for us. So, Mary, you're going to have it made. Things are going to be easy because you're pregnant with Jesus. But that really wasn't the case. She gets pregnant. She can't even find a place to have a baby. She's knocking on doors. Can you imagine when you get to heaven or wherever you're going to go, 
that you were the God that turned away Mary, the mother of Jesus, from having the baby in your house. Can you imagine me in that person? I would hate to be that person. Like, I missed out on a big opportunity. But Mary knocked on doors with Joseph trying to find a place to have a baby. This doesn't seem right, God. It doesn't seem right. I mean, it's you. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. You should have, like, you know, the Taj Mahal with all kinds of maids and, and, and people waiting on you hand and foot, making sure that you're okay, right? This is how we think God would organize this plan, but he doesn't. What does he do? He, they can't find a place. There's a bunch of uh, shut doors. They find a manger. How many of you, listen, I, I give it, I tip my hat to y'all that give all natural birth. I tip your hat. I don't know how you do it, but, and, and I'm sure it, it has been very difficult. And I tip my hat to you that doesn't give natural birth. I tip my hat to you. I, I don't know how you do it. I had a kidney stone once. I thought I was going to die. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you do it. Uh, I don't know if anybody in here, though, has had to give, uh, get, you know, be in labor in the midst of cows and goats and manure and, and a stable. Uh, it just doesn't seem fitting for the birth of Jesus. Am I right about it? It just doesn't seem fitting. But sometimes God uses, like, circumstances that don't seem fitting for his glory, Sometimes our God likes to cause things to really be significant on the inside when it doesn't seem significant on the outside. Maybe you're in a period in your life where you think that your life is not full of significance. It doesn't matter how significant you think you are. You have to go after presence. We didn't know it, but God orchestrated it this way so that the wise men and shepherds could find the star and find Jesus. And he orchestrated it this way so that there would be an orchestra in heaven and coming down on earth and begin to sing. I mean, he had a beautiful birthing place in that stable. And you would think it'd be easy. Right after he had the baby, then the word, there was word that um, Herod's going to kill all the babies so that you need to go to Egypt now. Listen to who and how God operates with the birth of Jesus, and I have to give it to, to Mary because God had to find somebody that would be faithful to carry the promises of God. God had to find somebody that would be faithful to believe. They, she had certain declarations. She had certain uh, attitudes towards God's promise, and God wants us to be faithful and be pregnant with his word and to be able to be a person that doesn't become a person that's cynical, fearful, paralyzed, but somebody that comes into faith that's able to really operate in the kingdom of God effectively. Listen, we are bombarded today in, in our culture with social media and media and all kinds of voices and all kinds of suggestions. The Bible says to not be conformed to this world but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In order to be full of faith, we have to really make certain declarations in our life. How many of you want to be full of faith? That, that what God says about you, you treasure it and you guard it and you don't let the circumstances abort the seed that God put in your heart. You don't let the circumstances abort or take away the promises God spoke over your life. You're not going to allow fear to control your life. See, fear is a controlling force. Fear is a controlling force. It will paralyze you from doing what God calls you to do. It will stop you in your tracks. It will cause you to overthink and miss out on the plan of God. But how many of you know that God is our redeemer? He teaches us. He directs us. And I want my main objective today is that we begin to get ourselves in a place where we become a person of faithfulness when it comes to the word of God. See, how do you get faith? The Bible says that if we fix our eyes on Jesus, he is the author and finisher of our faith. That when we fix our eyes on his word, because his word is Jesus. How can we see who Jesus is? Look at his word. He came as a human 
wrapped in flesh and bodily form of the word of God. Isn't that awesome? And that we have the word of God to to digest and begin to uh, fill ourselves with. If you're not full of the word of God, then there's no way you can be faithful. If you're not filled with the word of God, there's no way that you can walk out in faithfulness because there's a part that we have to play. There's a part where we have to eliminate the fears. There's a part that we have to protect the dream. And there's a part that we have to play to operate in faith. See, hope is waiting for something in the future, but faith is stepping into something right now. Quit thinking that your faith is something that's going to happen in about 10 or 15 years or next week. Begin to operate in faith now. See, our hope turns into faith. How many of you want to be people that walk in faith and you're faithful? Every step of your walk with God, you're faithful, you're not doubting. We've all found ourselves doubting before. God works in us in this area. We've all doubted because God doesn't make sense sometimes. Am I right? God, okay, Jesus, you're gonna come. Can you make it easy for us? Like, did did Mary have to get pregnant just by the Holy Spirit? Or like, could, that takes faith. That's not logical. You're saved today because you believe in the impossible. You're not saved today because you believe in the logical. You're saved today because you believe that God is the ruler of everything and that our faith, finite minds cannot comprehend fully who he is and what he does. He can do it his way. If he wants somebody to get pregnant without them being with somebody, he can do it. He's God. If there's a Red Sea sitting there and there's no way somebody can pass by, he can split it. He's God. Am I right? If, if there's no food anywhere, he can make things come down from heaven, manna, and feed a whole village because he's God. Am I right? He can cause, a, a at the end of the day, he can cause the early church to come into revival, thousands of people saved, and turn the, the social system upside down and cause people to live after him because he's God. It doesn't make sense, but he's God. If you're doing this Jesus thing, don't think you're gonna live life where it just makes sense and it feels comfortable. If you're doing this Jesus thing, he might just cause you to build a boat like Noah, cause you to build something that doesn't make any sense. Build a boat, Noah, wow, what's a boat? Boats for water, what's water? What is rain? It doesn't make sense. Are you willing to live a life that is on the edge that doesn't make sense? Because listen, fear keeps you contained, but faith causes you to begin to step out into the miraculous dreams of God. Listen, cancer being dried up doesn't make sense, but we've seen it happen in this church. Come on, people that were dead. People that were dead, that come alive, no heartbeat, come back alive. We've seen it happen. Why? Because he's a God of the miraculous. He says, I don't work in your box. I don't work in your thing. I don't have to work where it makes all kinds of sense. I want you to begin to believe in me, the God that does the impossible. If you will begin to believe in that God, then you'll begin to do extraordinary things. There's no way you can believe in a good God and think that you can live an ordinary life. Come on, how many of you want to live extraordinary? in faith. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it happens in broken things. Sometimes it happens in things that don't look like it should be. But God will use those things, broken in finances, broken in marriage, broken in relationship, broken in self-control, broken in every area of your life, but God chooses to use the broken because he is a God that likes to be the redeemer. He is a God that can turn it around, and he wants you to be able to give him glory. There's some people in here, you can't stop taking pain pills. You can't stop taking Xanax. You can't stop doing all kinds of drugs. It is impossible for you to make it, but not without God. With God, anything is possible. God can break that. He can absorb that. You say, well, you know what? I got to go to the clinic, and I got to get, I got to have this amount of time to get clean. Listen, all that, I'm not against all that, but I can tell you this, that he can take a person that's been full of drugs for years, that is an addict and a dependent, and somebody get one taste of him and never be the same, never need to talk to a doctor, never need to talk to a counselor, because he's a big God. He doesn't work in our box. He doesn't work in our system. He can turn it around. 
And the thing that you think can't be turned around is the thing that he wants to turn around the most. He wants to get glory for it. At the end of the day, people are going to look and say, that had to be God. What we are living for is for people to look at our life and say, they couldn't have done it. That had to be God. If you want to do this thing on your own, then don't be a Christian. But if you want God to begin to fight battles for you and take you from victory to victory to faith to faith, then put your faith in him and protect the dream that God is giving you. I want to today, I want to give you five quick declarations of faithfulness. Five quick definitions of faithfulness. The Bible says if we meditate on his word and we begin to meditate everything that is in it and we begin to put it in practice, then we will begin to enter into success and prosperity. You say, what is success? I believe success is somebody that's following after the voice of God, no matter the circumstances. I believe that is success. You say, well, is success, is it money and is it fame? No, it's not all that. God will give you that when you don't care about it. Success is somebody that says no matter the circumstance, no matter what I'm going through, I believe that I'm serving a God that's bigger than me and my problem. Success is somebody that begins to step forward in the things that don't make sense because God told you to. The Bible says that my sheep, Jesus said my sheep, they hear my voice. They follow my voice. Let me ask you today, are you following the voice of Jesus are you following the voices that make sense? Let me ask you today, are you following the voice of Jesus? Are you following the voice that makes sense? It's easy to turn Christianity around into religion and be safe and say that we're following the voice of faith and pretend, but it really comes down to what is God telling you? What is God telling you? Chances are, if you're not freaked out right now, you're not really operating in faith. It's a good freaked out. It's a good freaked out. It's a feeling of like, God, you told me to do this. If this doesn't, you know, if it doesn't have, it's all on you. Come on, God wants us to begin to operate in faith. How many of you want that faithfulness like Mary? Some of you are in here, you say, man, I feel so far away from that. Hearing God's voice, following the voice of God, I feel so far away from that. See, the truth is, you're hearing voices all the time. They're either from God, they're good, or they're either bad. If you have the voice that you want to slap your wife, that's not God's. (laughs) If you have the voice to buy your wife some flowers and some chocolate or something, that's probably God telling you to do that. You say, no, I'm just a good person. I just feel like it. No, you're really not that great. Begin to come in the faith. Begin to come in the faith and believe that's God. God might have told you that today. And when you begin to walk in that, God begins to bless you. What, what comes from God are the thoughts that are right. One day I was driving Aaliyah down the interstate, and she saw a man that was homeless, and she said, Dad, how come he doesn't have a car? I said, baby, he probably doesn't have money. She said, can we, can we get him a car? I said, I wish I could get him a car. She said, well, where, does he have a place to stay? I said, probably not. He's homeless. Can we get him a house? I said, I wish I could. I wish I could get him a house. He said, but, Dad, it's raining. Can we get him an umbrella? I said, babe, you're hearing the voice of God. These thoughts of doing things for people, these are the voices of God. Keep listening to these thoughts. See, listening to God is not, is not, the clouds are opening and and God shouts with a trumpet and and you get this grand revelation. Listening to God is a simple voice that you know that is good and true and right. It is that simple voice in your spirit that says, hey, go spend time with that person. They're lonely. It's that simple, it's that simple voice to say, hey, write that person a Christmas card across the street that doesn't like you. That's not God. That's the devil. No, it's, it's probably God. That voice that doesn't make sense. I felt so ridiculous one time because I had a friend that lived in the neighborhood. God told me to, for us to, to bring him cookies. That's not the most macho thing to do, to bring some other guy cookies. I was like, God, I'll do it. But it was a thought. It was, hey, let's make him some cookies, show him welcome to the neighborhood, and, and, and love on him. Sometimes God will ask you to do things that are out of your comfort zone. How do you start? You start by operating and putting one foot after the other in the simple voices that God gives you. 
the simple, small voice that God gives you, you begin to step out. This is the beginning of Christianity, and it's scary. I remember when I heard that God really wanted us to witness to people and, and, and to begin to step out on the word of God, and I would be pumping my gas, and the Holy Spirit would say, you see that guy over there? And I would say, yes. And in, this, in my mind, I would battle. He said, go, go right now and tell him about God. You know, the greatest times in Christianity is when you do things that he's telling you to do without thinking about it. Is when you say, okay, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to uh, worry about what they're going to say or feel. And I, I, you would go over and do it. And sometimes, sometimes it didn't turn out the way that you thought it would turn out. But when you get to heaven, you're going to begin to see that your account is full, that you did things even when it didn't pan out for you, you still were faithful. And there are other times when you step out and it wasn't you. You didn't feel saved when you were doing it. You didn't feel right with God, but God said, hey, go talk to that person. And before you know it, you knew they're selling drugs. You knew that they're, they're probably uh, running girls all in town. And all of a sudden, they begin to cry and weep in the presence of God, knowing that they never felt it before. You knew it was beyond you. You knew it was the voice of God. You knew that you had to step out to that little whisper, this is Christianity. This is Christianity, not, well, you know what? I want to make an impact on the world, so I'm going to do something that makes sense. Let me go do all, you know, fix all kinds of orphanages. That's good if God told you to do it. But if God didn't tell you to do it, don't do it. That still small whisper of son, daughter, step out. What would happen if we all did that this week? That we didn't battle in our mind what to do and what not to do when we hear the whisper of the good things from our Father. What would happen at a church, in a church or a community? I believe that God would be exalted. I believe people would come into the kingdom. I believe that the enemy would be defeated because a few people said, I just want to step out and listen to the voice of God. Mary is somebody that really intrigues me because she's put in a position that is really not advantageous. It's not something that you want to be put into. Yes, it's a great blessing. Yes, it's a great promise. But with great blessings and promises, sometimes take great brokenness in your life. Sometimes takes great, um, great uh, uh, struggle in your life. But you'll never go through struggle and pain where God doesn't bless you and make you better on the other side. Even when things are hard, you'll look back in your life and you'll say, you know what? I don't know why I had to do that. You told me to do that. And then you begin to see how God forms you and he begins to make you and he makes you stronger because he wanted to use something broken and turn it into something that belonged to him. He is, he is the person that loves to do this. Peter that can't shut his mouth, that is like a reed blowing in the wind. He said, you're a rock. You're a rock. Jacob, that couldn't hold it together, he was a conniver, he was a thief. He said, you're Israel, you're God's chosen people. Come on, God loves to turn the things. See, the, the people in here that have the biggest struggles, God's wanting to work on you the most. Sometimes we think those that are going through the most, God wants to stay at a distance. But how many of you know when you have children and they're going through something, that child is the person that you're closest to? You want to get close to God, begin to reach out to people that are broken because that's where God is close to. If you want to feel God's presence, I can be honest with you. We had a Sunday that we said we're going to skip church. We're going to skip church. We said we're starting a church in Baton Rouge. We said we're going to, we're going to all shut it down. We're all going to go under a bridge where broken people are. I can tell you that's the most I felt God in a long, long time. There was no piano playing. There was nobody singing worship. There was nothing. There was no ushers or greeters. There was just broken people, and that's where God was. You felt God. You couldn't stop crying. You felt his hand moving. He was healing people. He was ministering to people. Listen, if you want to get close to God, get close to the broken. If you want to get close to God, get close to the broken. And he's going to begin to speak to us to do that in this season. And you're going to begin to see your life turn around. Do you believe it? I want to give you five declarations that produce faithfulness. Number one, this is what Mary said. I choose to believe his word above all else. I choose to believe his word above all else. See, our minds and our heart, the Bible says that it's like a ground 
It's like the ground. And either we are allowing seeds of doubt, seeds of logic, seeds of unbelief, seeds of arguments, or we're allowing seeds of faith. Let me, get, let me ask you, what seeds are you full of today? Because the Bible says that this is the whole thing that it comes to really battling. It has to do with what you're allowing in your mind. What's in between those two ears of yours? It's battling. It's what we allow to set in our soil that will determine whether we're faithful or not. It's what we allow. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in, in God for pulling down strongholds. See, listen, the first part of getting free from fear and getting full of faith is to begin to identify the lies of the enemy. You gotta identify the lies of the enemy, the things that seem right, but they're not right. He is the, he is Beelzebub. He is the father of lies. He knows how to twist things and he knows how to make lies seem true in your life. If you wanna get free, you gotta identify those things. It says for pulling down strongholds. This is how we pull down strongholds. What is wrong in my thought process? Casting down arguments. This is confessing. This is saying, God, this isn't right. This isn't a right thought. I, I, I confess. Let me tell you, if you have somebody that you don't have to confess to, I, I challenge you to find a different circle. You need to find somebody in your life where you're able to confess to God and be real with people. Because if you want to eliminate arguments in your life, the Bible says that those that confess their sins to one another, they shall be healed. And we deal with things so much and we care about our pride so much that we don't want to open up sometimes and say, I got some issues. I'm dealing with some stuff. But Jesus, the one that we're following, he was stripped down naked and, and put in shame in between two thieves. There's no reason why you have to feel like you have to be the one to keep it all together. Find somebody you can trust. Find somebody in a life group. Begin to open up. If there's something you're dealing with that you cannot get rid of, do what wisdom says. Confess your sin to one another. Get real. Take off the mask. Take off the facade and say, this is what's really going on in my mind. This is what's really going on. Hey, these are the arguments in my head. And guess what? The Bible says that when we come into fellowship one another, he begins to heal us and he begins to work in us that when two or more are gathered together, he's in our midst. Come on. God wants you to begin to open up to somebody and say, these are my struggles. Arguments in every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. How many of you know that we need to cast those thoughts out? You gotta cast that fear out. If you're feeling fear, you're feeling anxiety, you, you don't just say, well, you know, I got to think different. No, you, you got to say, in the name of Jesus, fear, leave my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, bondage, leave my life. I cast you out. In the name of Jesus, greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. If Jesus had to quote scripture, we do. In the wilderness, if, he, if the enemy tried to trap him, and he said, it is written, and the enemy had to flee. God wants you to begin to declare what he says, not what you think. Begin to declare the word of God, and you're going to begin to see your life transform. This is how we tear down arguments. Nope, that's not right. That's not right. I confess that thing. I bring it out to the light. See, the enemy likes for you to keep things in the dark because that's where moldy, grimy, disease-infected things grow. But when you bring it out to the light, boom, the enemy can't do anything because the enemy's scared of light. He is like a cockroach. You turn on the light, he's got to flee. Turn on the light, confess your sin, and say, in the name of Jesus, you got to get out of here. Bondage, homosexuality, come on. Infirmity, you got to get out of here in the name of Jesus. Yes, I feel sick, but I'm healed by his stripes. Infirmity, you got to go in the name of Jesus. Come on, you got to begin the fight. That's why they call it the fight of faith. It's not staying silent. It is standing up and beginning to declare it is like when Moses was at the Red Sea and he was crying. You ever been there? You tried everything? You hit a brick wall? 
It doesn't seem like you can do anything from here. God, you told me to come here now. I faced the Red Sea. He's crying. I'd be crying too. God, I look like an idiot. I just took a million people out. I said you were with me and that you're bringing me to the Jordan and people are chasing me right now. God, what are you doing? You know what God said? He said, get up, quit wanting. Begin to get that staff that's in your hand and point it across the river and begin to step forward. I am with you. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to pick up the word of God and begin to step forward. Quit whining. God doesn't move by whining and complaining. He moves by faith. He moves by, I believe that you can do it. In the name of Jesus, bondage has to go. In the name of Jesus, religion has to go. In the name of Jesus, pornography has to go. In the name of Jesus, addiction has to go. In the name of Jesus, I confess, I open up. It has to go. Every chain, every bondage, every stronghold, it has to go in the name of Jesus. Come on. You got to wake up your kids in the morning praying. Wake them up in the morning. They need to hear you praying. They need to hear you praying. I, uh, you know, honor, I can tell she rides around with, uh, with, uh, with Leah because she says, yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. I, I had no clue how she figured that out. It wasn't church. It was listening to her mom declaring the word of God and saying, yes, God, that's for my life. Yes, God. You think that it's easy to live for God. It is the last thing from easy, but it's right. And God is looking for the righteous, not following after the things that make sense, but following after faith. What makes you in the right sight with God? It's not all the good things you did. It is operating in faith and relying on him makes you righteous in his sight. Come on. We need to begin to have faith. Rise up and move forward. You ever seen somebody in a boxing match and say, come on, hit back. You ever seen them? They're in a corner and you're like, you know, you're watching Rocky. You're like, just swing out of his face. You know, I believe God's like that sometimes. He sees us getting beat in the corner. He's saying, God, why won't you help me? He's saying, no, you need to swing. You need to swing. You need to hit back. You know what the enemy needs in this season? He needs a big black eye with you hitting back, with your circumstances hitting back, with his suggestions. We just need to give the enemy a black eye in this season and say, no matter if you try to keep me by guilt and shame and condemnation, I am still opening my mouth about the name of Jesus. I'm still opening my, opening my mouth about his goodness. I'm still doing it. I'm doing the opposite of what he tells me to do. Come on. That's what God wants to do in this season in our lives. The second thing is this. Mary sang a song. She sang a song. She declared the word until it came to pass. This is what the Bible says. It says in Ephesians 6.16, lift up, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the enemy. How many of you know that we need to begin to walk by faith and not by sight? We got to declare the word of God. In 1 John 1, 7, it says this. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us and we have fellowship with him. That word walk, you got to exercise. You got to walk in the light. You got to exercise your light. You got to declare your light. You got to expose the darkness in your life and begin to come into the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the word of God. You got to begin to open up and begin to exercise. And what happens? There's a continually cleansing that comes over your life. You want to get things rid? Uh, you want to get things out of your life? Begin to declare the word of God. Begin to walk in the light. Begin to exercise the light. You know, if you have dirt on the bottom of a glass and you put it in the sink, if you just leave that faucet on and there's continual water going in that faucet, that dirt at the bottom will eventually get out. That, that dirt at the bottom will eventually, the continual water hitting that, that cup, the, the, the grime and the dirt will, will begin to get out of that cup. This is what it's like when we begin to walk with God, when we begin to get in his word. When we begin to say, I got to meditate on his word and his promises, the light begins to shine in our life, and he begins to eliminate those things that don't belong in us. Come on. Number three. Number three. Mary and Joseph, they had to go knock on doors to have a place to have birth, and they realized that every shut door was just pushing them towards the plan of God. You gotta know in your life that every shut door 
is pushing you towards the plan of God. It might not be easy. Maybe the bank dried up. Maybe something dried up in your life. It's time to move forward. A lot of times we think that things are going to go a certain way, but God is the one with the plans in our life. Number four, detours will direct my destiny. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Let's read it. Y'all okay? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't have to make sense. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. See, God might have given you a great dream, a great promise, and things are shutting around in your life, and things are shutting up, and it doesn't make sense. You gotta know that if you wanna become faithful, you gotta know that every shut door is bringing you closer to the promise of God. Don't give up. Keep on going. Keep on moving. Maybe it seems like you can't go on emotional, emotionally. It seems like you can't go on. Everything's shutting around. God is maneuvering you into the perfect plan of God. This is how he does it. This is how he does it. They didn't know where to stay. Sometimes we don't know what to do. Even you, It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. God's going to put you in a position where you don't know what to do. And you might step out and there's a lot of closed doors. He is only bringing you into a place of victory. He is only bringing you closer to your destiny. Stay faithful. Stay full of faith. Review the word of God that he spoke to your life. Some of you, you're feeling like your family will never get saved. It seems like they'll never get there. They're always, they're going to jail or they're, they're getting in trouble or they're not straightening out. Listen, there's been, you tried to get help in all kinds of places. Try to get all kinds of counseling. This is what God is saying. Keep the faith. Keep being full of faith. Every shut door is getting you closer to your destiny. It's written in the word of God that our families belong to him, that there's household salvation and it belongs to him. Quit worrying, keep stepping out in faith and God's gonna meet you there. Don't give up. It might be a shut door. You keep on moving. Come on, keep on moving forward. God's going to begin to get you closer to your destiny. Do you believe that? I love this. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans of good and not disaster to give you hope for a future. Come on, God has great plans for you. Step out in faith. It's going to start with a still, small voice. Are y'all okay? I forgot number three. Let me go back there. God will speak to others to confirm his word. God will speak to others. Mary got a word about Jesus. She went and visited her cousin Elizabeth. The Bible says that they leaped in the womb and that Elizabeth began to declare who Jesus was. See, sometimes you might feel alone, but you gotta know that God has covenant relationships in your life to confirm the word that's put inside of you. She could have said, well, Joseph's going to leave me. She said, you need to trust that God in them will work it out. See, there is no body or no thing that can keep you from the plan of God. You just have to begin to be faithful. There's no boss or anything or any relationship that can keep you from the plan of God. you got to believe that God in you is in them and can change their heart. If you can't trust people, then that's not, that's not much faith. You say, well, I'm come to a place where I can't trust anybody. The truth is, I don't trust very many people, but I do trust God in people. And God wants you to begin to get redeemed from not trusting anybody and begin to believe in people and believe that he's greater on the inside of them than the world just like he is in you. And God will begin to confirm words and give you covenant relationships. See, a lot of people, they, they say they hear from God, but they don't have any relationships to confirm the word. This is what Mary had. And so they say, you know, I heard from God. He told me to do this. And you're like, I'm not sure. I think you ate a bad pizza the night before. I'm not sure. I don't see that in the word of God. But since God said it, I can't say anything about it. See, it takes trust to believe if you hear from God, God's going to confirm it in relationships. See, Paul, Paul the apostle, heard directly from God, had a relationship with God, went to the third heaven that nobody else did, and said, you're going to preach to the Gentiles. He came back into his senses, and he began to wait for confirmation of that word with the people around him before he went anywhere. 
Quit saying I'm a lone ranger. God put you in a kingdom for a reason to confirm the word of God and put you into covenant relationships. It takes much trust, but it's God working through people. He knit us together. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4.9 that it's better to be a three-braided cord than to be individual, to be off our side. It's better to have a three-braided cord because it's not easily broken. You need to get with some people that God has connected you with, spoke the same things to, begin to get with them and begin to rely in God through other people because that's how he works. Say, well, I'm not going to rely on anybody. You're going to have a tough time walking in faith. I'm not going to rely on anybody. I'm not, God, that's why God set up this kingdom so we have to rely on each other. See, I have a certain gift that you don't have. You have a certain gift I don't have. And if God speaks to me but he's not speaking to others and God's not working in a kingdom, chances are I'm off. But when God begins to confirm it through pastors and leaders and people in my life, I know this is a confirmation, and I'm going to go forward. This is hard for some people to swallow, but just swallow it with grace. It's hard for some people to swallow because they say, well, that means I can't really do whatever I want. True. You can do it, but it's like going in the, in the rain without an umbrella. In a hail storm, storm, it is without grace. You can do it, but you'll learn to get back into the fold where God connected you in with covenant relationships so that you can really hear the voice of God. We're a flock. We're not individuals. We're a flock. Amen? A good shepherd will see a sheep that goes a long ways off. You know what he'll do? He'll go and find that sheep to decide to do their own thing, break its legs, put it over his neck, and bring it back to the fold. They don't do it again. You might, you might go off. You might be in a place where you went off and you're doing your own thing and you know life is not that great. It takes brokenness sometimes to say, I'm not gonna do what I wanna do. I'm gonna do what the kingdom says to do. I'm not gonna do what I want. I'm gonna do what is right. Come on, how many of you wanna begin to do what is right, not what we want? That The fear of our lives is not dictated, dictating our life. The fifth thing is this. The fifth thing is this. You know, uh, talking about shut doors, I was listening last night. Do y'all know, um, I don't know if he's a great guy, probably not, but um, do y'all know uh, Mark Cuban? He is the owner of, which team is it? Dallas. You know, Mark Cuban, you know, he, uh, he got out of college. He worked three jobs. Every job he got fired in, three jobs. I'd feel bad about myself. I'd be like, I'm a loser. He didn't. He worked three jobs, got fired. He began to play on this thing called the internet. He began to find out how to hear of sports on the internet, began to tweak that thing, created a business, and sold it for over $5 billion. $5 billion. He didn't let shut doors keep him from his destiny. He said, I'm going to keep going forward. I'm going to keep moving forward. You see, a lot of times we see success, but behind it, the people that are succeeding don't think that they ever fail. They feel like they're falling forward. They're falling forward. Anytime they fall, they're falling forward. God is going to complete the work that he started in you. Do you believe it? He's going to complete the work that he started in you. Number five, Mary's in a manger with manure all around, ready to have this promised child. Number five, Circumstances does not determine my significance. Circumstances does not determine my significance. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by. We walk by faith and not by. Let's do it again. We walk by faith and not by. How many of you want to begin to walk by faith? The bank account might be empty. The family might be in disarray. Things in your job might be blowing up. You might have bad relationship after bad relationship. You got to know this, that your circumstance does not dictate how significant you are. God sees you just as significant as anybody else. He's not a respecter of persons. He believes in you just like the next person. You got to begin to believe in him. When we find who he is, we find who we are. Quit trying to search for yourself. Begin to find him, and you're going to begin to find you. Peter began to say, you know what, God? Because Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And he said, well, you know, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say, you know, a prophet. Some people say, and Jesus said, who do you? Who do you say that I am? He said, 
you're the son of God. You're the son of the living God. And God looked at him, Jesus looked at him and said, flesh and blood didn't show that to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And now that you found out who I am, let me tell you who you are. You are Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. You're going to be a part of the cornerstone that will change history. And I want you to continue to look at me. So he brings them in the waves and says, come walk and come follow me. And he begins to step in the waves and he's walking on water till he looks at the waves. He begins begins to sink and he pulls Peter back up and he says begin to fix your eyes on me begin to see who I am and you'll begin to see who you are you will not sink when you put your eyes on me and then Peter thinks he has it all together and he says you know what Jesus I'll never deny you I'll never turn from you I'll always be by you if somebody tries to crucify you I'll be crucified right with you and he says no you're going to deny me Peter says I'm not denying you Jesus goes to the cross and he denies Jesus with a little schoolgirl. I don't know what you've done this week but chances are you did not deny Jesus by a little junior high schoolgirl. and he didn't stop there Jesus came back to him and said hey look at me look at me who do you say that I am he he says, if you begin to look at me, this is who you are. You're going to begin to feed my sheep. Forget about everybody else. He said, what about John? And what about this? Forget about that. Look at me. I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back for you. The truth, the truth is Jesus is searching after you. He says, come begin to look at me. You're going to find who you are. Quit trying to find your identity and stuff. Quit trying to find your identity in promotion. Quit trying to find your identity in circumstances. Find your identity in Jesus. He says that you are sanctified. You're set apart. You're a child of God. You're an overcomer. You're the head and not the tail. You're above only, not beneath. Fall, thousand may fall on your right side. Ten thousand at your left hand, but none will go nigh your dwelling. God is speaking over your life today. Begin to look at him, not your circumstance. He wants to say, I want to begin to form your identity because your life is hidden in me. You want to find your life? Look at me. Your life is hidden in him. Let's quit searching after stuff and after success and search after him. That's true success in our life.